Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt, and in studio, Mr. Jeff Pitelli, fresh off the wardrobe change. Good for you. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. I think I'm looking pretty good in this outfit right now. Well, I always keep a lot of gear in my car. I'm not going to uh, tell you who our next guest is, but talking to the guest before the uh, podcast, you got here a little bit early. One of my guests, they, they do arrive before we start the, the filming the podcast. He asked why you're not in the studio. I said, well, he blew out his ACL and was trying to relive his glory days. But, you know, you didn't have any glory days. You shouldn't yeah. have been out there. You wouldn't have an ACL tear and you, you could be here with me. I mean, it's the holiday season. I, I miss you. Just try not yeah. to relive those glory days. They're over. Yeah. Well, I now have them as a coach. Because I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast recently, but I'm a, I'm a championship coach. I'm an award-winning coach. Yeah, I just wanted to remind you. Wow. You got your Hopkinton hat on today, state champs. That's right. Yeah, because if anyone really asked good. who the state champion was in uh, New Hampshire, they wouldn't be able to tell you unless you were in that hat. Well, they'd probably just say BG. <laughs> we go down the list of divisions. Yeah, exactly. BG. All right, Derry Field. What's this third one? It's Hopkinton. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> hey division three to the grave that's all i have to say and keep it up through the states as well we should introduce our guest who is in studio with you pingree head coach kevin Terslow. coach how are you great great thanks for having me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah uh, i was uh, excited to be here what do you think of the studio it's a nice place yeah, yeah. i feel like it's got some of your touches here yeah, and yeah. not enough room in here to, to, to have all of Kyle's awards in this no, room. No. But they're working on it. Don't make me go get it. Down. <laughs> Don't make me get the medal and the award because I will wear <laughs> yeah. the medal the whole podcast. I don't mind. Well, I'm really excited to have this guest because Kevin Torsolo actually was uh, a member of the 1990? 1994. 94. Okay, 94. <laughs> 93, 94. 93, 94. Dean college. I was a great player at Dean and I had the opportunity to coach Kevin and his twin brother, Keith. It's funny. One was a lefty Keith and Kevin was a righty, but really we talk about friends for life. And uh, I really had a lot of fun coaching Kevin and Keith and Kevin has gone on, continued his passion to be a lacrosse coach and has done a great job at Pingree. Uh, he's got two sons that play and they play for the Twisters, and Kevin's also a coach at the Twisters. Is coaching something that you always wanted to do? I know you're also in the health fitness business. You train people how to stay fit. You might have a new client right over there. His name is Kyle Devitt. He can use some work. So just talk a little bit yeah. about how you got into the, the coaching. I got in. I've been a, a trainer for 25 years. I got into actually when I when I transferred when Keith and I transferred to play down at Roanoke, I stayed down there for an extra year and and I was the head lacrosse coach for a, a team down there at Cave Spring High School and I I coached there for a year and then I came back up and started working as a trainer and then I did a, a lot of private work training kids one on one. So I had a kid I was working with Blake Riley, who won the national championship at UVA, who's a defensive midfielder, worked with a bunch of defensemen. And then when when that ended, I, I started to get into managing the club. And once the club kind of got settled in, in, in 
easy enough to manage running on its own. What do you, um, what do you mean club? Uh, the about? health club. Oh, the health uh, yeah, club. Yes, yeah, okay. the health club where I train. I started managing there, and then and then I got into being an assistant at Pingree. I was there for two years under our old uh, athletic director, head coach, Alan McCoy. He was a coach there for over 30 years. And then when he retired, he asked me to take over. And and, and they were always uh, competitive. But at that time, they they basically, you got what you got with, through the admission. So if you, if you hit a year where you had four or five kids that came in that were playing club lacrosse, then you could go and carry on a competitive team. When I took over, I wanted to bring it to another level, the level that we're at now. I wanted to to recruit on my own, recruit the type of players that we were looking for specifically that fit our system. In, in, so, so that's how it really started. When I took over, I started to really look for uh, the kid, the player that was smart enough, tough enough, and skilled enough to compete at our level. Yeah. Coach, going through that, being being a trainer and, and having the physical aspect kind of be more apparent to you than maybe people that are just lacrosse coaches, how important was that when you started bringing kids in to have to incorporate the fitness, the weightlifting, the running, and the conditioning? It's, it's I think it's, it's such a, an important part of the game where I think it brings a player's level from uh, if you come in and, and you're not fully developed as a freshman or sophomore, I think the ability to transform your body by weight training is huge because you, you uh, go from being bullied on the field to becoming the bully. So before, I, I remember when I played in high school, I was 147 pounds. Uh, when I played for coach, I was 165 pounds. So just that transformation there, being in the weight room myself, was every goal that I scored in high school, you were picking me up off the ground. Uh, when, I, when I scored a goal in college, it was uh, I, could, I could withstand the contact, and, and, uh, and that really transformed my game but i see it with all of our with our players it is is we'll bring kids in that they can be 130 pounds and after one year in the weight room they can go put 15 pounds on with no problem with the right eating in, in weight training so just putting that amount of weight on really can transform your game but and it's for every position yeah yeah for for parents listening when i mean this is more of a a personal opinion from you because you have experience in it. When do you think kids should start weight training? Is it, is it before high school? Is it right at high school level? Is it the puberty line? Like where do you recommend that that has the best impact? Yeah, you can, you can start in, in middle school and, and to, to avoid affecting your growth plates. That's really the type of training that you're doing. So it, it would be a lightweight, uh, high rep type of training. So you're not doing one rep maxes when you're a kid in, 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 in that. So they can start at a younger age and, in, 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 at our club, our health club, we have, we have a lot of kids that are, that are younger in, 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 they'll go on and, in, and hit their growth spurt and, in they can be over six feet just like they would have pre-workout. So it's, it's as long as you're training the right way and just doing the high rep lightweight, you, you're fine to, to start at a younger age. Now, how many years have you been at Pingree now? And talk you talked about your players, what kind of players you're looking for. So how many years, and you talked about you're able to recruit. 
who are you recruiting? How are you recruiting? Yep. So, so I'm going on my uh, 13th season as a head coach. And for us at Pingree, where we're a, a private day school, we only have a certain radius to recruit from. So we can go in, in I have players as far out as Wall Farm, and then we have them from Southern New Hampshire. We've had players from Seabrook, New Hampshire, and, and up on the 93 side of New Hampshire, we recruit uh, in that area too, up in Andover, and then Winchester, um, Melrose, all throughout uh, that area too. But when... When I go out and, and watch players, I could go to town select games, uh, some of the all-star games, some of the tournaments. And uh, But for me, I can really – I look at players out of some of the club teams with the Twisters, 3D, the Fighting Clams. And normally I'd go with Piatelli, but some of the guys are out of my range. And I feel like if you could get guys up in my area, <laughs> then now I'm grabbing Piatelli guys. And I can be one big happy family there. But so we go – I always tell everybody that when I watch – if it was an offensive player, if if – if I were on a sideline with, say, a parent that didn't really know the game as, as well, they would probably pick out the player, the midfielder, who scored five goals in that game. If that midfielder, though, ran through a double team and, and, and still had the ability to score five goals, I'm actually avoiding that kid like the plague because he doesn't fit our system. We don't rely on one guy. We, we, we are uh, more matchup based. So it could be, we could have attackmen with five goals in a game in the next game. It could be a midfielder with four goals. It just depends on the matchup, but we're looking more for the kid that if it was a midfielder, the one that is dodging has his eyes to the inside, reading the slide. If he can't get the shot off or a feed, he's looking to push the ball through X or redirect. So, so we're looking for more of that field sense like that. Lacrosse IQ. Lacrosse IQ is good, huge. Good teammate, yep. unselfish, playing for the right reasons to, to be competitive, to win some games. It's yeah. not it's not about me. And we, we we talk about this a lot. It's like if if your team performs well on the field, the players will get recruited. Absolutely. If you try and get recruited as an individual when you're on the field, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. To, to your yeah. reasons is coaches see, oh, he's trying to do it all his own. He's yeah. going trying to go through a double team. Yeah. That's not the way we play. That's not, he doesn't have a good understanding of the game. Absolutely. And, and I think what you see is that showcase ball. It, it's going to a showcase and it's, hey, I'm the individual. I'm trying to get myself recruited. Now I'm just going to keep running and running and running. And, and shooting and shooting and, and shooting. shooting. Yep, until I go and land. And you know what? If you take 13 shots, you're probably going to get to. But that's not the percentage we're looking for. So it's it's that's how we would recruit any the offensive guys. Defensively, there are things that I can't uh, coach. And we can't uh, coach as coaches is your physical ability. We got to wait till you grow. And we don't know what, how big and strong you're going to get. And the other part to that is your toughness is I can't coach you to be tough. You're either tough or you're not. So and the easiest way to find out is if you're tough is how do you pick up a ground ball and and, and how you play defense and, and it just how you carry yourself uh, on the field. And it's it's you can't coach toughness either have it or you don't. So that's what we really look for in the individuals that we're trying to bring into Pingree. So it, it's there are a lot of uh, great players out there, and, 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 and we don't have the ability to go and recruit a kid from Chicago. I can't recruit a kid from Connecticut, Texas. So a lot of the other coaches, it, it's you know great for them being at a boarding school because they can go to any tournament 
in the country. And if they like a player, they can contact the player. I can't. I, I only can recruit from that specific radius, which I also like because I like knowing that there are a lot of great players in this area. And I think that when you have the luxury to pick a player from anywhere in the country, you can pass on the kids that you go, I don't really want to put that much effort into developing a kid like that. For me, I like that. It's my favorite part about coaching. I, I, I love the development part. And it's, it's why I like coaching in the private school and in high school. I like taking a kid that is a eighth grader and coming in as a ninth grader. And you don't really know where, how they're going to turn out. It's, it's how you develop them in, in how you run your practices, your coaching philosophy and in, to be able to try to get them committed, developed enough that they can be committed to play at the collegiate level is, I think that's the greatest reward to me because college, it's, it's great because the kids are already physically developed. They're so skilled. But after that, it's you're working. And some of the guys that go in, in the pros, you are going to the pros, but you're still working. And, and, and there are very few of those guys. But I like the opportunity that it gives a, a kid that comes into Pingree that opportunity to go play at the next level. And it, it's just the, the development process is my favorite part. Coach, having had the pleasure of evaluating and checking out some of your players, particularly from the class of, of 24, which is an incredible class, by the way. Like yes. Bodie Kanata and Sean Stevens are so yeah. fun. Uh, so fun to, to watch. Coach. Yeah, right. thank you. Great to coach. The yeah. The one thing I took away from watching the offensive players, like you were saying, is it seems like a lot of players have a, a spot, right? And it seems like those two in particular and a couple other guys that I've seen, they don't have spots and they don't just play midi or attack. They play all over in that six on six. So are, I, I'm just extrapolating that out. Do you, are you one of those positionless lacrosse guys? Yeah, so that's great because what we try to do is the reason why you'd see that is because we try to put def- defenders in uncomfortable situations. So the the short stick D midi doesn't want to be behind the goal. Because in the invert, so it, it, it's where we put them in no man's land. It, when they're up top, they know where the slide's coming from. They know where the one is, the two. They got help left and right, the adjacents. But when you're putting no man's land behind the goal, it, it's in an uncomfortable situation. It's also where we will attack midfielders from the wing. So it, it's and then and then we use our attackmen and attack a long pole from up top. And 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 I think that. That even for a pole, a lot would think, well, poles are used to being swept across the top, but it's really not. That's 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 not what they're used to, really, because they're getting attacked from X and from the wings, and they know they really have to contain that offensive player with that one or two moves there. But when you have all that room to run up top, and especially running, trying to defend a kid like Bodie Kanata, who is so explosive and so quick, he just needs to get his hands free. So if we can give him that opportunity by sweeping across the top and just literally outrunning his man, it's an advantage to those guys. So we work on that all the time in individual skills and practice. 
practice and, and in games, that's our goal is to put defenders in uncomfortable situations. So I think that's why when you watch them, they look so comfortable because they are, they just, they attack defenders in, in, in those different spots. That's interesting. You bring the dodging from the wing because I've been around a lot of practices and you don't see a lot of teams practicing dodging from the wings, nor do you see a lot of teams dodging from the wings. You watch college lacrosse are always dodging from the top, right, and reverse the ball and they'll get it to X, so on and so forth. And very rarely do you see them practicing the short stick midi behind the goal. Yeah. And like you said, and I don't think enough coaches recognize when that short midi's out there that, hey, your best player, you got a short midi on you. Take him to X. Absolutely. Go to X. Yeah. You don't see that as much. And, and for that – the D minis, how often do you see them practicing at X? They're always one-on-one up top midfield. And very rarely do they defend at the wing or the X. So, so your point is very, very good. Take advantage of other teams. Uh, uh, let me say that. Yeah. Other teams not practicing the little things that make a difference in competitive games. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and what we do, we, because we use our short stick D-middies, our main part of our, our game is that's what we practice all the time. We put them in that invert. So it's funny when teams would try to do that, if they try to take our guy in an invert, he's prepared. He's ready. Yeah, he's ready. And, and I actually love seeing that. We, we have one who, a senior um, a kid, Jamie Book, who, who last, when he came into the program, we ran him as a short stick D midi. He's a two way uh, midfielder now. He's going to uh, Dickinson. But he's so good at just running with his man, working the hip. And, and, and if he sees that bottom hand, he's going he's gonna to harass you. And he's so quick, he has the ability to actually be a takeaway short stick D midi, which I think is very rare. To have. And he's not 210 pounds. He's, I've had guys that are 6'4", 220 as short stick D midis. He's not like that. He's just very smart, and he knows how to play the angles, and he knows when to make contact and, and when to attack you with your hands. And it's funny because with him – if he's ever beat, I'm more disappointed in him than I am my close defenders because he is that good. And just we put him in all of those uncomfortable situations. So he's ready for the two-man game at X. He's ready for the two-man game from the wing. And if you try to run on him from up top, he can go and, and, and run with you. But it's uh, important to us to, to attack our guys in those uncomfortable situations too. But that's why I think those guys are, are so smooth in those different spots on the yeah. field. Yeah. I think on the other side of the ball too, the, the more you can have a guy just mo- most teams have one or two guys that are initiators, right? Yeah. Especially at like any high school level prep level, like maybe you have three, most teams don't, right? If you can disrupt the primary initiator of every offensive set, you're already ahead mentally of anything else that goes on in the game because yeah. so much of what they do is predicated upon that guy succeeding that it's funny. I, I like to coach defense the way, same way I coach offense. Just like, okay, I'm going to take you out. Now I'm going to take you out. What do we do now? It's five on five. How, how do we make this work? And I think that kind of philosophy transfers over to defense. And that's kind of the next thing we're talking about in, in lacrosse is everyone's all about transition game and shutting guys down. But if you can just disrupt the most important guy. You can, if, if the offense isn't built correctly, it's a house of cards. Right. Yep. Yep. And and it's it's what what I like is is defensively is if you face a team 
that has that strong midfield. I loved because our short stick DMITs are so strong. I like running the double pole because that just now creates so much chaos that normally you could pull one elite midfielder and then the other guy has work to do on those shorties. Uh, if you have two elite midfielders there or, or three, then they get the luxury of go running on two shorties. But when you put two LS at two deep holes up top, now it takes away the alleys, the room to run. And then it's just even the slide packages are just completely different. So I, I we will incorporate that uh, because we have the ability to put a short stick D-mid on an attackman that I'm not worried about the opposing team saying, oh, great, we got a short stick on our attackman. Let's work that attack. Let's work that short stick because our short sticks, I think, is strong enough to, to contain an attackman. So that and now you're seeing which is great because it's so important for the the next level to play in college is you need to be a two-way midfielder um in 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 clearly where there's so much emphasis on the transition game that if a team knows obviously when we go through and scout and prepare we know a, a midfielder who can't play you know, isn't a strong defensive midfielder there, then we're going to try to trap him on the field and clearly run on him. But it's in, in a lot of teams have the two way guys, but when you have guys that are strictly short stick D middies that embrace that role, they, they, they play defense at a different caliber. I mean, they play at a different level. They are a different caliber. It's, it's where they embrace it. They're passionate about it, and they aren't looking to go and and save their legs to say, "Hey, I want to go run some offense too." They're not. They're just going and leaving everything on the field on the defensive side of the the end. In in so for us, we are lucky to put in to be able to double pull when we face teams with the strong middies, and and because of having the luxury of those great short stick team middies. But and then, like you said, if we can go and and they have a strong attackman, a strong midfielder, and we're able to contain those two guys and really focus on pressing the rest of the players, the 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 the, the four remaining four, then you can kind of create those turnovers and, and, and put the defensive matchup in your favor. So it is interesting that that a lot of teams now, I think, are are trying to to make sure that they have at least four guys that can attack you at the level that we're playing now. And that, I think, is really important. One of the things, too, about, about Pingree, you're talking about you're pulling from this general area, but you're also in a, in a unique position for your conference, right? Like you're, you're not in the ISL, you're not playing founders league or anything like that. Can you talk a little bit more about the schools that are, that are in your conference that are kind of, and also ones that are your rivals? Yeah. So we would have uh, been in the EIL. It's now that, that we'll have with the big rival would be Portsmouth Abbey. They're, they're out of uh, Rhode Island and they're really well coached team. They, they, they always have great players, attack, defense, goalies that, that they're recruiting from all over the country. And, and, and we just know each other's program so well that they, 
know that I'd like to send our guys in the invert. And then they, they set up defenses to try to stop that. And we try to set things up to counter it. And, uh, and then we have uh, with up in New Hampshire, we have Berwick Academy. And then some of the other local ones with Lexington Christian and Concord Academy and Beaver Country Day and some of those schools there. We've kind of, we've gotten to the point where we've, we've kind of grown out of that end of the league there where our players are, are strong and in, in, in going to be committed, if not already committed, that those are games that we'll try to get our younger guys in if we're able to handle them uh, well enough in the, in the first few quarters then we'll run our young guys in there and give those guys some the opportunities to be able to run against other plays that are sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Because as these guys come in, I, I remind them all the time that you're only playing age group against age group. So when you see some of these kids that are obviously very skilled and very athletic, I remind them that, I know, but you're playing other 14-year-olds. So right now, when you come in to play for us, you're playing other sophomores, juniors, and seniors. They don't care that you're a freshman. They love that you're a freshman, and they're going to exploit you because you are an inexperienced freshman. So to try to give them that experience, we take a lot of those games that we play in, in, in that we can handle the teams early enough. We'll get those young guys in there and let those guys run just to get the reps in, in, in that time in there so we can develop those guys and get them ready, ready and, and, and uh, developed as early as possible. You bring up a good point because a lot of kids don't think of that when they're going into the high school. They're like, oh, I'm going to be a freshman. Yeah. I'm going to be on the varsity. But, you know, they've lived their entire athletic career playing against kids their same age. Yep. You, even at the club level, you play same age group, right? Yep. So when you get to high school, if you're a pretty good player, a freshman, and you might have an opportunity to play, well, now you're, you're playing against the big boys. In college, it's a little bit different because you've all gone through puberty. Yeah. You're probably not going to grow that much more. Get that you will get stronger, maybe faster and quicker. But the the difference between a freshman in high school and a freshman in college is vastly different. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's something where you know what what we do in in our practices in 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 when we go through a tryout is I don't actually allow a freshman to run against another freshman. So that freshman has to run against an upperclassman. So in example, and it's, it seems terrible, but actually has worked out really well, is the fact that um, one uh, year we had uh, a defenseman All-American who's at Providence College, Grant Latimer. Grant, when he played for us, uh, was 240-pound defender. I had a uh, freshman lefty attackman, a kid, Hudson Durant, I'm giving him five seven when he was a freshman, uh, probably a buck twenty five in uh, his weight, and I said you gotta you gotta run against your matchup. I mean, I just said it's not age group against age group anymore. So he went and did the best he could against Grant. It obviously wasn't very successful, but it was something that ever since then he just never questioned who we faced in practice. It was just what we do. It's what you have to do. If you want to be able to compete, if you want to be able to play and you want to be able to compete and you want to do it when you're a sophomore, then you have to do this as a freshman. So 
we would do the same thing with our defenders. Is I had a freshman defender go against um, an attackman, kid Brendan Driscoll. He had the change of direction of Bodie Canada, just lightning quick. He's at Providence College too. And, uh, And by the time the freshman defenseman threw the poke check, Brendan was already winding up to shoot and score. But it just showed for the defender yeah, you you can't do that. You got to base it. You got to come in and approach with choppy feet. You can't be flat footed. And when you throw that poke, you can't leave the poke out there. You got to make sure you poke. You bring it in, and you're ready to play the body. And it just it it, it exploits the young player, but it just shows what the weakness is, and it gives us the ability to to coach them up to make sure we develop them and, and break those bad habits. So that's something that with those. Teams that we have in the league uh, like that, we give the kid, the younger guys the uh, opportunity to play so they can go and, and be able to run against uh, other kids that are bigger, faster, and stronger. Yeah, looking at your kind of out of conference, you're taking on a lot of Lakes Region teams. You got ISL teams in here too, so you're hitting PGs. Oh, yeah. So you've got a kid who's 20. <laughs> Maybe there's a kid who's 13. Oh, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's a big part of, building the program is like oh the, the confidence boost you can get when you're 14 15 and you beat a kid who's maybe lacrosse isn't his first sport but he's big and he's playing on these good teams you beat that that's going to stay with you for a very long time absolutely and and i love playing against the the pg schools of even exeter andover new hampton holderness brewster cushing all of those schools that have the postgrads I li- I like it. I I like it. I for the players it's the it's the challenge, but now at least you you're technically you're playing freshman in college. So it, it it's it's something that to for me as a coach I like it where when we're able to beat a Brewster in New Hampton in in all those schools Exeter and Andover in those schools like that it, it's where we're running guys that are some of them are true freshmen and some of them are true sophomores so for us it is it's a huge confidence booster for the players but for us we just go into the game and just play those teams the way we'd play anyone so it's i've i established it early where every great team uh that we face every team is going to have committed guys and they're going to have great committed guys, but that's what we're looking for. We're looking for playing the best talent, the best players out there and best programs out there that we can. And they have to realize it doesn't matter where a kid is committed. It matters what you're doing on the field and, and, and where everybody talks about doing your job in, in the, what Belichick brought up years ago is be responsible for yourself and do your job. And that's really what the focus is, is not worrying about where this kid's being committed because they don't care where you're committed. So it's we're not going to go and waste our time worrying about where they're committed. We just try to stick with what our game plan is going into uh, each game uh, where they may have the stronger defense, they may have a stronger uh, midfield attack, whatever the case may be, and we just worry about what we can control. Uh, but I, I love uh, facing uh, the teams like that because – 
it is a noticeable difference when you go in and the PG isn't somebody that's hidden out there. They stick out. You can you can pretty much tell who is the postgrad. <laughs> so it's in in for for us, we have guys of, of Bodie Kanata that is I'm gonna give it to him that he's five six and in a hundred and in fifty pounds and and you're you're facing a a, a post grad defender that is is six three two twenty but that's the challenge and I just think the great part about that is it just prepares you for the next level that much faster yeah now do you have a JV team or is it all one big team yeah we have a JV team and we just have the JV and the varsity and and we have a, a we actually they're they're a good. A good JV program. They they play. They'll go with Exeter's against Exeter's JV Saint Sebastian's. They play Phillips Andover. All those guys that are out there, and in, in, in they're competitive. And and we're able to bring up guys to be able to run in certain games with us, and in and see how they're progressing. And in the following year, we may bring up guys that have really put the effort in developing their game, and in in that we feel like can compete. In, in uh, that we can develop in our practices too. Yes, we have both. Kevin, New England's known for all the prep schools, so many prep schools, Connecticut, New Hampshire, a lot of boarding schools, obviously, yeah. Vermont, especially Massachusetts. What is it about Pingree that student athletes want to go to Pingree? There's so many options out there. Yeah, I think uh, there's a, a few things. Uh, um, uh, one is being a private day school, there are a lot of uh, parents that want the kids coming home uh, after school. And it's where when your kid goes off to college, they're not coming home after that. So they may be home for a year until they get their job and then they're on their own. They get their own apartment and all that. But they're trying to hold on to that, which I, I think is important, too, if 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 you want your kids to be home after school, then we're the day school that, that offers that. But we also, we have smaller classroom sizes. So we're going to be, have classroom sizes that we can have, we could have nine to 14 kids in a class. So the learning environment is incredible. It, it's literally a round table atmosphere or it's set up in a horseshoe. So it's not where, like when I went to, you I can't came sit, my public school. Kyle, you can't sit in the back of the classroom anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, th- you think I sit in the back? of the classroom i'm a nerd dude uh, yeah. i went to clark yeah yeah i know i sat at the yeah, you I, sat in the back man. i was in the back okay just, yeah, yes. just want to make sure yeah. we're, we're clear yeah. and, okay and that's what, i think kevin yeah. was in the back too i think and I, I was in the back at beverly high school so we're we're at beverly we had 25 kids in the class so our learning environment was significantly different. Sure. Yeah. So it's and the other thing is where they'll have we'll have different centers that we have a, a quant center for math, a writing center for English and a language center. So it's something that if you were ever in a free block, you could take advantage of if you're working on a math problem and you needed some help, you could literally go upstairs to the quant center and you can get help there too. So there's, there's the academic support is really, is really strong. The learning environment is great in, in, and where the day school, where you have the ability when you're done, you're going home at the end of the day. So it's, that is, is our niche that we have there. And, and it's, it's great where, 
that's why our radius where we can go from a Waltham to Seabrook in there, because we send buses all over too. So we send buses up to Winchester. We send buses up to Andover, Lowell. We send them up to Seabrook, New Hampshire, out to Wakefield, Linfield area there. So with with our program, if we have 30 guys on the roster, right now we probably have only three kids maybe from Hamilton Wenham now, when before we had the majority, when I took over would be, would be Topsfield, uh, Hamilton Wenham, Marblehead. Now we're going and expanding uh, where we just brought in a defender from Bedford, Mass. So it's, it's I think, uh, kids are realizing the opportunity academically and athletically uh, that they're willing to take that ride up to the North Shore. So it, it's they some of them will go in, in and start out taking the bus in the morning and afternoons, and then they'll go as they get their license, they can commute themselves, and it just becomes that much easier. Yeah. How many students? We have about 375 Yeah, right now. So it's it's normally they try to go about 45 boys, 45 girls in each class in in those will range depending on on the year. Yeah. And they obviously they the emphasis is strongly on athletics as well as the academic piece. Absolutely. So it's where they have the balance of when we did our athletic center, they did uh, the athletic center and then they did a $3 million addition off of the uh, the main building and they put in all a whole wing of the art classes and, and all that stuff. So they have a soundproof recording studio in there, an art gallery and all of the classes for uh, pottery, photography and all that stuff. So they have that balance. And then, then we we just put in in uh, the first classic on on it was 2019 was we put in a brand new turf field and then a brand new softball they just put a brand new track in eight brand new tennis courts and uh, they just put in another 65 car parking lot up there too so it's they invest in both academically athletically and being really well-rounded there yeah so which is great I, I think one of the things to put in perspective too is the Continued excellence of the program in the last five years, you've lost 11 games and you've won 65. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, we're taking out the 2020, obviously, but yep. in a shortened 2021. So that's mm-hmm. even more impressive because it's really three seasons that you're getting most of those, those numbers. You're playing top teams. And I guess my question is, as someone that does a lot of rankings and power rankings and things are you a little disappointed at where you guys are rated because you do have wild wins and i i knew this last year i was looking at it i was looking at it, i was looking at it and i was like they're gonna keep beating people you know <laughs> like they're just keeping you still you be, like you lost to holderness in the first i think probably month of the season yeah. and then it's like okay and then holderness ended up going up undefeated all year yes but you're looking yeah. at all these other teams isl teams every single other lakes region team that you played you're beating pretty much everybody do you think you're getting your due yeah i i think i think that that some of the some of the wins i think that that people will look at and say middlesex might have had an off day or fair might have had an off day but i think when that ends is when middlesex had an off day, Thayer had an off day, New Hampton had an off day, Exeter had an off day, Andover had an off day, Cushing had an off day, Dexter had an off day. At some point, they're not having an off day. I think that we're on 
And and I have to say to a point with that is is even with those with with the great wins and we have such great battles with Middlesex and Thayer and and New Hampton and Brewster and all those, even for last year to go twenty two Thayer is with some of those wins. It's I'm excited about the wins, but I of last year I think anyone outside would say how successful that is. And I'm, and I'm beyond excited to go 22 and two and have the only two losses of Holderness and, and Exeter. And then, and then being able to face Exeter again in the Northeast one championship and being able to beat them to win it. I still felt like we never played to our ability. And, and it's, and it's hard because as a coach, I want to make sure that, that promoting and, and, and the positive, and, and I do with that, but we, we never played to our ability. And, and, and I think it was because we were so talented, too, in the midfield that we had three alphas in the midfield. And I've had the year before with, with Jack uh, Feeks, who's an All-American, who's at Babson now. He was just a phenomenal midfielder. The year before, we had an elite group of middies, but Jack was very good at keeping the flow of the midfield. And, and this year, as strong as, as Sean was and, and Riley McClure and Makai Taylor were, I felt like we just never had the flow the way that it should have been. So so I am. It's it's great with the with the wins that we 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 had. I think that's just the side of me that wants the perfection, and and it's great because it it always keeps me going. It doesn't. I'm not. I'm never bored. So it, it just is. I want to. I want to do better as a coach, and and I think that's my responsibility to to get those guys to flow even better. But but I think back to that. That do we. I guess get the respect. I think that definitely the teams that we face do respect us when 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 we play them. I think last year with with being able to beat the teams that we beat like we did in 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 22 we we lost to the the three games of Middlesex, Fair Academy and Brewster. And then I think last year being able to redeem ourselves and getting those wins again. Last year I think that yeah, we would definitely be a top 10 team, I think we were really well-rounded. We had Colin McLoy, who's at Bucknell, our face-off man, was an elite Fogo. I think he really dominated the face-off X, in, in, which is such a luxury. I think our defense was was really strong. Our goalies, obviously, elite. In, in I thought the midfield was loaded. Our, our defensive midfielders were great. Our, both of our LSMs were committed. One, St. Lawrence, the other one, to Skidmore. And, and the attack was strong. Two out of the three committed. We got the third one, a Chisolo, who knows what happens with him. It's just that's... <laughs> That's just, you know, I don't know. It could be bad genes. Hopefully it takes uh, that to you and not as uh, <laughs> Uncle Keith. Yeah, but I think, though, that that, that was, it, it's, I, I don't mind. I don't mind if we ever go and we're, we're bumped out of that, that top 10. I, I like our guys playing with a chip on their shoulder. I like having them with a bit of an edge. And it's like, that's all right. Hey, as know? long as they're having yeah. fun, they're developing. Absolutely. You, you're doing a great job getting them off to college. Yeah. I met Alan McCoy, the former coach, 1993, I remember. And, you know, 
No one heard of Pingree Lacrosse World. I mean, they were like they were a program where you know, if you wanted to win, you go play Pingree and you got to win on your your schedule, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So what you've done with the program is really amazing. Oh, I mean, that you. you've put it on the map, and even look at lacrosse in New England over the last twenty years, Kyle. When I grew up, hockey was king in high school. All the prep schools, so many kids from New England were going on and playing Division One hockey in NHL. Not that they're not doing that now, but these all these prep schools now, the, the players they're, they're developing and sending off to college, it's like from Pingree. You, know, you look at the kids you're sending to all these different programs. That wasn't there 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. And I, I just want to say I'm glad that we're not in your area of recruiting. Yeah. Very excited. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I enjoy yeah. that. I am. You have to say I am pretty ruthless when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no I, I get it. That's why I you're coach, not. I never talk about my I kids coach, on the show. I coached this guy. He was there. He was always there. For, uh, the first one there before practice, and always there after wanting to get some work, yeah. shooting, and everything. His twin brother was the last one there at practice, and the first one to leave practice. No, I can't. Keith. <laughs> He yeah, was a lefty. Yeah. He was a righty. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we're running out of time here. Yeah. But what, what I, the last thing I want to talk about, I just want to congratulate you. I know you've been battling um, some health issues, yeah. and we were communicating with each other the other day, and uh, you were having some tests done. And just talk about a little about that, and yeah. the, the news is good. Yes. Yeah. So I, I got uh, diagnosed with smoldering multiple myeloma September 16, 2021. And I end up getting into a trial at Dana-Farber, which we're beyond lucky to have the hospitals we have in our backyard. I think if I were in Iowa, I'd be a dead man. So I end up getting through actually one of my clients who's in the healthcare industry. He got me one of the top smoldering multiple myeloma specialists in the world, the lady, Dr. Irene Gobriel. I got into that trial. I was in it for two years and, and I just got my last bone marrow biopsy this pet in November and it came back with no sign of disease. So yeah, so that was great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So that was a, a journey, but at the end, I'm one of the lucky ones. So yeah, more lucky yeah. to still have you coach. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, thank congratulations you. Congratulations yeah. on uh, yeah. everything. And you have two sons that play. Yep. Yep. My son, uh, Matt is a sophomore at Pingree. My son, Andrew is a eighth grader at Hamilton. One of my middle school. Yeah. It's great. A yeah. lot of fun coaching them and yeah. uh, having them play lacrosse. Yeah. Are yeah. they as passionate about lacrosse as you are? Yeah, they are. And it's 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 that balance, coaching. I, I love coaching both of them. And it's just trying to contain the happy medium there because it's uh, you have to come home with them. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So that you have to have that fine line in that balance. So, but but so far it's 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 been good. And then I'll I'll have I'll have both of them together. Andrew will will go to Hamilton Wenham next year for ninth grade. And then um, I'm going to probably have him. He'll apply to Pingree the following year and uh, reclassify. That's what his brother Matt did. And I just it was a. A great advantage, Matt, was they're both strong academically, but uh, being a boy maturity-wise, um, and then uh, for the physical development academically, in that it was a great fit. So I, I love that. So Andrew would do the same thing, and hopefully if he's accepted, then those guys will uh, play a year together. He'll be a freshman. Matt will be a senior. Well, great. That'll be a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, it will be A lot of fun seeing your yeah. boys out at the same time. I had that opportunity at St. Sebastian's. Now, yeah. you give one-on-one lessons, right? Training? Yeah. Right? <laughs> 
Yeah. Can you can you give um, Kyle a break? Yeah. Uh, well, what do you uh, what do you what do you charge per hour? Is it like two hundred dollars an hour? Kyle freebie. Uh, He's freebie. freebie. Okay. You kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Hey, me on the show. One's free, man. Hey, he's, he's not far from me, though. <laughs> yeah. He's not far. Yeah. I know. You get I'm in aware. the gym. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Well, you've been sitting on your ass for two I know. Hours. You think I'm not going insane? Look at my face. I hate it. I hate it. It's the worst. Oh, man. Love it. Yeah. All right, good good place to end. One more cow humiliation for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you, guys. I hope Santa's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, let's hope. Oh. Chris, it's my birthday, right? When? You didn't know that, did you? When? The Christmas, Christmas Day. Yes, that I know. It's yeah. awesome. Oh, because you were born on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Santa didn't want to give you any Christmas no. gifts. Just no. birthday gifts on that day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love uh, it. That's great. Yeah. All right. Hey, Kyle, thank you. No, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Oh, my you. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Dad, you're getting coal in your stocking, man. Yeah. <laughs> Won't be the first time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Love it. Thanks again Bye. for listening to New England Lacrosse Journals, Chasing the Gold Podcast. I'm Jack Piatelli. I'm Kyle Devitt. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next time.